0: Welcome back to the Sustainable Stories podcast. Sustainable Stories is here to bring you the stories behind sustainability in our communities. From big to small, practical to theoretical, we're exploring the people and projects that are working to make our world a more sustainable, equitable, and healthy place to live.
1: So much for having
0: me no yeah. problem thanks for being here um Krista I always on the on the podcast I just ask people to uh do a little intro to themselves um, but yeah the reason we asked you here today is because as I said there's lots of folks who are interested in gardening um, from kind of a self-sufficiency perspective so I'm really excited to hear about your journey um, but yeah, can you tell our listeners um, a little bit about yourself and who you are and what you do? I would
1: love to. Um, so I'll start with, I guess, how I got into gardening. And um, I grew up, I'm in the middle of seven kids, big family. Gardening was part of how my mom provided food for our family or my parents. It was mostly my mom who gardened and I gardened alongside her for a lot of years I would be sent out to weed in the garden. And I can say I didn't love the chore when I was younger. Um, But when I was around uh, 13 or 14, we were living in BC. And I planted some pumpkin seeds. And those pumpkin seeds, they went crazy. And I ended up with so many huge pumpkins. They were my pumpkins. I had grown them. Uh, My mom made sure it was me who transplanted. It was me who watered. And so I was able to see... The fruit of the labor when you garden. And I think that's when I really fell in love with it and realized how much I enjoyed it and how enjoyable that whole process can be. Um, I, then I worked at a greenhouse when I was 16. I did that on and off. Some years it was full time, sometimes part time. I really enjoyed working with the plants, being outside, the sunshine, the soil. It just, there's something about it that feels so right and um. yeah just enjoyed that part of it cool and since then I've been trying to grow food sometimes not successfully I've killed many plants <laughs> I've had many many failures but uh, as I learn and try and find more resources to teach me I have wanted to share that with others too so trying to work on how can I help others with their gardens
0: learn learn
1: alongside others
0: yeah that's that's awesome and that's how how I got connected with you I I have to say I found your your Instagram page and your blog really refreshing um because similarly I grew up with a mom who gardens like two acres and so it's it's sort of like this assumption that I'm gonna be exceptional at gardening and there's so many garden bloggers and and folks out there writing about it and posting about it and it always seems to be this sort of perfect picture and in reality that's totally not the way it it is at all (laughs) and it's challenging Um, um but it's so yeah. it's i find it really it's it's really empowering to be able to grow um you know grow a plant and grow your own food and then like you said realize the the fruits of of that labor so that's um really interesting so about that story so um where so it sounds like you were living at that time you were living in British Columbia and now um you talk a lot of yeah. So um I'm curious about, you know, it sounds like you've gardened obviously in different zones. And just most of the folks I think on our listeners may not know exactly what that means, even. So if you want to talk a bit about what that's been like growing in different places and where you're at now, and um yeah. Yeah. So
1: shortly after that story, we moved to Alberta. Uh, Alberta is where my parents had grown up, and it is a very different gardening climate in Alberta. It is much more challenging, I will say, than the Okanagan. All of a sudden, it went from you could plant things and they just seem to grow and flourish to now there's a lot more effort and thought behind growing food. So gardening zones, for people who aren't familiar with them, refer to how cold it gets where you live and plant hardiness. Different plants, obviously if we go on a trip near the equator to Mexico, something like that, you'll see a lot of different plants there. We can't grow a palm tree in our yard for the most part unless you can find some crazy variety. Um, depending, to figure out your plant zone, you need to know how cold it gets where you live then perennials are classified by how much cold they can tolerate. A perennial is a plant that comes back every year. So once you know how cold it gets, um, I do have a post on my blog that you can find um, on plant hardiness zones. It's under gardening tips and what planting zone am I in. And I have a chart there of the temperature, um, Yeah, temperatures, and you can slot yourself into what zone you are in if you do know how cold it gets. At its coldest, pretty much where you live. There can be some years it doesn't get as cold and more plants will survive. And then if you get a year where it dips down, maybe even below what your normal plant zone is, which bumps you into um, a different plant zone, you'll find a lot of the perennials may not survive that winter that's because they, they're not hardy to those temperatures. Does that make sense? Am I explaining that in a way that you can understand?
0: Yeah, that's, that's perfect. I think it's just one of those things. I mean, I've even learned more about it over time. Um, But yes, that's perfect. That's super helpful. And, and referring to your blog, I know I've checked out that post and it was helpful even for me, um, it's so funny that you were in the Okanagan. So uh, I I spent five years living in Kelowna, actually, that's where I did my undergraduate degree. And I was blown away moving from like growing up in Saskatchewan, in southern, southeastern Saskatchewan, and then moved to Kelowna. And same thing I grew actually at the time, and I'll get you to talk a bit about Um, you know the size of space that you garden in but at the time you know I went from growing up um, in a farming family with a massive garden and I went to Kelowna and I was like you know I don't have enough space to garden I'm not even going to bother and then one year I was like I had learned a bit about garden boxes and gardening in containers and so I had built some some garden boxes from scrap wood and got some soil and planted some tomatoes and seen a tomato plant so large and never seen tomatoes so perfect and so beautiful and that's exactly what you're talking about is this like oh yeah but it doesn't usually freeze in Kelowna randomly in June so it's a little easier to grow big beautiful exactly you don't randomly get a snowstorm in July isn't that a beautiful thing um Yeah, but I'm, I'm, uh, can you chat a bit about so, you know, it seems like you you speak to sort of people who are trying to garden and just starting gardening. Um, You know, what would you say to folks who are struggling with garden size? Um, And I know that was something for me, too, where I had this mental block, and I just thought you needed to have this huge garden to be able to grow any amount of food. Um, and, And now I kind of understand that that's, not so true. Um, But yeah, like, what would you what kind of advice would you give folks on, you know, determining what size of garden might be best for them?
1: I think you can grow food, no matter how limited your space, you can grow something. I think it comes along with sustainability, um, which you look at, and where to start with that. You can always start somewhere. It can be something so small. And it's the same um, with growing food. One of the ways, if you do have limited space, I think uh, that's really rewarding in small spaces is growing your own herbs, using fresh herbs in cooking. They taste so amazing. And you get the health benefits of having them fresh. And they just take a small six-inch pot each, a lot of them. And you can grow them from seed. You can grow them in your house. In a sunny window, it is better if you have grow lights, but I don't think that's necessary. If you do have a south-facing window, that's ideal for trying to grow indoors. And then even if you just have a small space outside, before the place I'm living now, we're on four acres now. Before that, we lived in town with a very small backyard, and it was east-facing, so I didn't get a lot of sunlight. So I had some space challenges, and I had some sunlight challenges um things we did there are growing things in pots on our in front of our house because we couldn't put a big garden in our front yard it wasn't fenced that wouldn't have really worked what did work well is using pots to grow food in so we did some tomatoes there in pots Um, tomatoes are something that are harder to grow if you don't have a lot of heat So, they do better in pots than in the ground anyway in Alberta because they heat up quicker in a black pot than they would in the ground. Ideally, if you have some sort of greenhouse, they'll do even better there. But things like lettuce, you can also grow in pots. You can do carrots that way. So, for those who do have small amounts of space, just trying to, yeah, start small, start with maybe a few herbs and whatever you have space for, whatever you like to eat fresh,
0: just try growing that in the space you have. Cool. That's great advice. I like the herb suggestion too. I had never done that before. And last year as a gift, someone gave me a, a small basil plant, which I've since transplanted into a little bit bigger pot and it lives on my windowsill. And I started making, well, just any pasta dish or anything I was putting fresh basil in. And I just, I was automatically hooked. I was like, this is so much more delicious. And again, you know, I grow a big garden and then I, you know, I can things and I dry things and I freeze things. But it's so nice when we have basically nine months of winter. It's so nice to have fresh growing herbs on your windowsill. It's such a joy um, and it makes food Mm -hmm. delicious. So, yeah that's awesome. So Krista, what is your yeah, garden when, space? When your of grew- oh, sorry,
1: go ahead. Sorry. I was just going to say one benefit of growing herbs in pots is when it gets cooler in the fall, you can bring those indoors and you can continue growing.
0: Yeah, that's great. Yeah. And it's not something I'd ever even grown outside before. So I'm, yeah, I'm really excited this year to do exactly what you just said, grow some in pots, you know, have them a part of maybe my my deck or my front yard, and then bring them inside in the winter and, and enjoy them all, all winter long. So um, Krista, can you tell us a bit about your gardening space that you garden in now? So it's you know, it sounds like you sort of had a um, you know, an urban backyard in town, and now you're you're on about four acres. So how, how has your garden evolved now that you've got a bit more space? What does it look like?
1: So when we moved here about four years ago, um, the garden, there was kind of a garden space. It was fairly small. Since then, we've built a deer fence around it. I think a lot of people living in From Saskatchewan to Alberta, we know the deer problem. So thankfully my husband helped me with building a big deer fence. And I have done raised beds. I find raised beds are easy to work in. I actually like weeding. I didn't like weeding growing up when it was the in-ground hands and knees bent over, but my raised beds are about a foot and a half tall or so, and I can kind of sit on the edge. I can drink my coffee, my weed. And again, with our cold growing climate when you do have raised beds they tend to heat up quicker in the spring so that can be an added benefit to growing in a raised bed. I have um, I think I have eight raised beds and each one they're not all the same size but they would be about um, four feet wide by eight to ten feet long I believe and then I also have a small greenhouse so that's That's my gardening space. And then one thing I am trying is a new potato garden. I'm trying a no dig. So we spread out um, cardboard on top of the grass. You leave the grass there, you put cardboard on top. And then we did about eight inches of compost. I don't know if this is going to work or not. We did that last fall. The idea is it starts composting the cardboard and then the grass it kills that and composts that and i would love to be able to grow on that somehow i always feel like i want more gardening space i don't know how that works
0: i'm the same way i i fully understand the wanting more garden space i this year my garden is so i'm i'm still gardening the way my grandma and my mom garden I have about 100 feet by 25 feet and we expanded it by another 10 feet so now it's about 35 feet by that 100 feet but you know what I I did a little drawing I love garden planning in the the winter time but I did a little drawing this year where I drew my existing plot but instead of keeping it the way it was I just drew some raised beds throughout it um because that is something i've heard so much about is the raised beds from a um you know an ease of maintenance perspective a early earlier growing season i've seen people attach and i'm not sure if this is something that you do but i've seen people attach kind of rails to their garden beds and then drape it with some um you know some plastic and kind of create a mini greenhouse only at certain times so yeah it seems like something that um Yeah, it's good, it's a good reminder that we don't always have to garden. There's always something we can learn and we don't always have to garden necessarily in exactly the same way our our moms and grandmas did. So, yeah.
1: Yeah, I have a post called Building a Vegetable Garden. And in there I talk about uh, the benefits between in-ground and raised bed. I don't think either is right or wrong. They're both great gardens but there are different benefits or detriments to the both of them. So to consider which one you want, Um, I do, I am looking forward to trying an in-ground garden because I haven't done that for a while. It's also that different types of plants grow better in one versus the other. Potatoes take up so much space. And so I hate filling all my raised beds with potatoes. I would love lots of potatoes that would provide us through the whole winter. So that is part of the reason I'm thinking maybe by doing in-ground and using mulch uh, to not have as many weeds. They're also not as threatened by weeds. So you don't have to pick all those tiny little weeds when they're quite so small. Mm-hmm. So those are some things to consider when you're trying to decide what type of
0: garden is the right one for you. Yeah, cool. That's it. That's really good advice to the sort of learning a bit more about plants and sort of plants tolerance, um, to weeds. Cause I think when people are starting out with gardening, it can be, you know, people are busy. They, they have, maybe they have jobs, they have children, they have, they have, they have lots of things, right? So it can get overwhelming when, you know, you feel like every day you have to pick every single little tiny weed or else your garden's going to fail. Um, and like you say, that's, not always true and um, I know from experience the past couple of years have been really busy for us Um, we built our own home and and we're busy with that and I grew a garden that year full well knowing I was going to have no time to really maintain it Um, but I chose like you said I chose Mm -hmm. some things like potatoes and beets and um, more root vegetables that there was times when I couldn't quite tell where the root vegetable was, uh, because there was tall weeds around it. And then I would just do a a blitz, and I would go in and pull all the big weeds as quickly as I could. And you know what, that was that garden was really fruitful. Like I did do really well on that garden, despite um, not putting as much time into it. So um, yeah, it's good to kind of remember that uh, imperfect gardening sometimes works really well too so yeah
1: yeah that's really cool story jenna thanks for sharing about your gardens that's part (laughs) of gardening community that i love is getting to hear about other people's gardens what they did what worked the encouraging stories where i am right now i have very very alkaline soil and alkaline water and my first year gardening out here my beets were golf ball size. (laughs) I was quite disappointed when we went to harvest in the fall and they were so tiny. And uh, my carrots were probably no bigger than your hand. They were like four to six inch, quite small carrots. And I just thought like, what am I doing wrong? (laughs) I love gardening and I'm failing. So I had to really troubleshoot and try and figure out and that involved testing my soil and finding out just how alkaline it is it's about 8.8 i think is where i started most vegetables like acidic soil so they like something maybe 5.8 especially potatoes so i've adding compost helps acidify your soil that's been one of the ways i've been able to improve my own garden but again i liked how you talked about gardening with your mom and it just Feels like it's easy, it's natural. Oh, you know, I know how to do this. And then you get to your own place and you start gardening on your own, and you think, why are things not growing like they did in my mom's garden? Where are all these tips? You know, how can I learn to grow bigger and more fruitful, more abundant gardens? And again, that's what I'm hoping to share as I learn my own things and share tips that. Um, I learn from other people to put them in a place where we can find them easily and
0: improve our own gardens. Yeah, that's awesome. And like you say, troubleshooting those things, right? Like I'm curious, so you, okay, so you had a bad crop of beets and carrots. And then, so how did you get to the realization that you needed to test your soil? Like, um, I'm curious about that process. Like, did you find some resources? Or did you reach out to someone? Um, you know, what was that troubleshooting process like for you?
1: Definitely reaching out to others, anybody else I knew who gardened. Um, they didn't necessarily know what my problem was, I think it took more research. There was a, a period of kind of feeling like, should I throw in the towel? Like, is this, can I not garden on this land? But thinking, no, there's got, there's got to be a way. There's got to be something I can change. And knowing there's people not far from me who were succeeding. um, I think that just brought me to the questioning, well, the sunlight's the same, the weather's similar. And what else can you change? you know, I'm using the same seeds. So then the next thing it comes to is the soil. And when I tested that, not only was it alkaline, but it lacked phosphate and um,
0: nitrogen. It was very deficient soil. Okay. So was that a test? So when you say you tested the soil, was that like a test kit that you bought? Or did you have someone who came out and tested the soil? I'm curious about testing soil at home
1: I do also have a blog post on that so feel free to search that and read that I bought a test kit from the hardware store I believe maybe Canadian Tire there are some also available on Amazon they are not very expensive it is a little bit of a process you mix the water in the soil and then you let it settle and then you take the water from the top and you add drops and just see what color it turns out to be I think the test kit was maybe $15 and there's quite a few t- soil tests in there so I can test it again in the spring and I've been able to see little bits of how my soil is improving I've also seen that in how my plants are doing much better thankfully than that first year which has been encouraging
0: yeah okay that's awesome um I'll make sure in the, in the show notes for this episode that we put a link to your blog and some of these specific blog posts that you're talking about so that people can find them. Um, cause I think that's such great advice, like understanding your soil and, and well, just understanding your soil in general, but then being, you know, finding the resources to, okay, my soil needs this. How do I get at that? Mm-hmm. Oh, compost, you know, compost is a way to do that. So, um, or there might be other things. I know I've just started learning a bit more about um, mulching and you know leaving a layer of mulch on top of spaces in your garden. Um, so I've you know been learning a bit more about that. But that's probably. Um, I guess I'm making an assumption here because I don't garden in raised beds, but. Is that also kind of one of the reasons you went with raised beds? Like you'll be, you, you can sort of add things to that bed and sort of manipulate the soil in a way that works for you.
1: It is, it is one of the, the reasons I'm using raised beds. It wasn't the primary reason using raised beds has made amending the soil much easier because when we've built new raised beds, now that I know where my, Soil is at. I am able to try and add some of those amendments in when we add soil to the raised bed by adding, like I've mentioned, compost being one of them, lots of compost, uh, bone meal. I added some bone meal last fall. Hopefully that will continue to improve my soil. And I think working with soil is something that gardeners of the past, they understood. They understood how it's important. Sometimes crop rotation can help improve soil. I think composting is something that's been done for long, long times. And it's such an amazing way that we can take our kitchen waste and we have chickens. So when we clean the chicken cube, we can take that and make it so useful for growing food, put it back into the soil and improve our soil through that, which then improves the nutrients of the vegetables we eat. Something. Um, I came across, I was listening to a podcast that was just talking about how vitamin deficient and nutrient deficient the food that we buy in the store can be, which is one of the reasons I love growing food is I feel like I can provide our family with more nutrient dense food. I know exactly what the soil was, what was used on the soil, what the plants were treated with, the environment they're growing in, growing as close to organic as I can it's not hard to
0: do. Yeah, that's awesome. I think, yes, that's such a um, it's not something we think about, right? You go to the grocery store and you buy a tomato and it looks like a tomato. It smells like a tomato, but it, but you're right. There's a lot of that lack of, of nutrients. There's the, you know, not knowing where it was grown or what it was sprayed with. And then, you know, I know folks who grew up in in gardening or or grew up early or garden now themselves um there's just no like there's no better taste than something fresh from the garden like i i just ran out of my garden tomato or sorry my garden uh carrots uh, about mm-hmm. a week and a half ago so i bought a bag of carrots um from the g- local grocery store and you know i like just snacking on carrots when i'm working from home at my desk and just the the drastic difference in flavor still baffles me like I don't have any scientific necessarily understanding of why the flavor is so different but it's very noticeable that they're very different <laughs> so yeah
1: definitely yeah we notice that especially with carrots as well and the kids what's wrong with these carrots when they come from the grocery store you don't taste very good mom <laughs> uh, we also yeah. just ran. Our, our little carrots. I would send them in the lunch boxes every day. I still have some frozen carrots that I can use in soups, but those are also running low. So I need a bigger garden, right? <laughs> yes,
0: exactly. Yeah, I guess there'll be another couple of raised beds added. That's awesome, Krista. Um, what's your favorite? What's your favorite thing to grow?
1: Oh, that is a hard question. Um. You know what? Carrots have always been one of my favorites because I love to eat carrots and because as we mentioned with flavor, those are one that you especially notice the difference in flavor when you eat a garden fresh carrot. I was able to garden alongside my nine-year-old daughter last summer and her carrots did amazing. She Seeded them, she weeded them, she watered them, and then she picked them herself and washed them and was able to sell them. She loved that whole process. She's asking for more of my garden beds, which I hate to give up. I'm a little (laughs) bit selfish. I'm glad to see her gardening, but I'm like, oh, then you're just going to sell all that. I want to keep, we need the food for our family, which isn't the case at all. But um, I love seeing how she has. Carrots have been one of her favorites as well to grow. She's seen how rewarding they are and to pull up those fresh carrots and wash and they're so bright orange, so crunchy and taste so good. Yeah, those are one of my favorites for sure.
0: Oh, that's awesome. Yeah, I love growing carrots as well. And I've recently been growing more varieties of carrots and kind of paying attention to you know, what, which one's freeze well and which ones are good fresh um and then I don't know why I also just am obsessed with growing purple carrots because um I I don't have children yet but um neighbors kids will come over and they'll pull a purple carrot and they're just like purple a purple carrot like you're so excited and i see them they're five years old but that's how i feel when i pull up a purple carrot i'm like oh look it's a purple one and i'm so excited so
1: yeah it's fun to try the different varieties i'm excited to try i brought, bought some purple carrots this year too so i haven't grown those before but i'm going to
0: try and purple beans as well I'm excited to try some purple beans nice yeah that's awesome um so, Krista, one one more question I just wanted to ask you, and it's something I've learned a little bit about, but I, I still kind of struggle with, and I think it's something a lot of new gardeners struggle with, is um, starting seeds or starting, um, you know, getting prepared prior to May. Um, What does that look like for you? And you know, is starting seeds and and growing growing your your plants indoors first something that you do? And, And what does that process look like? So I haven't always started my
1: own seeds indoors. But I found when I wasn't, I was spending money on maybe some peppers and tomatoes, and a lot on flowers that were already started. I love to grow things and I get anxious for spring. So then I thought, why not start some of these myself? I can extend my growing season by starting growing things indoors. Uh, When I began, I didn't have any grow lights. I didn't have any specific setup. I just had the soil, something to plant them in and some seeds. And I would use a sunny window. They would get a little bit leggy, uh, long and tall, and they weren't the strongest plants, but it's still doable. Now I have an indoor greenhouse. It's just kind of shelves with a cover that helps keep the humidity up for germinating seeds. And I also have some grow lights, which definitely help, especially when the plants are young that I use for starting seeds indoors. And I think it's important to know, um, seed packages say how many days to harvest for different things. So our growing season, It's from near the end of May till the beginning of September, maybe. Some years it's a lot shorter. So it can be anywhere from a 55-day to 65 or 75-day growing season. So when you understand your growing season, you can know if you can plant that seed outdoors and if you can harvest it before it's going to freeze. For anything that has longer days to maturity or days to harvest, you either have to buy it already started or start it indoors yourself. So you can give it enough days that it will be, you can harvest it before frost comes. Um, So peppers, if you want to try those, those are difficult. So unless you have some kind of greenhouse, those could be discouraging to try and grow in your garden. Tomatoes, um, I'm trying some onions from seed this year, some leeks, I wanna try some celery. So a lot of those things, their days to maturity are too long to direct seed into your garden in May uh the end of April beginning of May so yeah I've tried to figure out over the last few years I've started things indoors myself and tried to make notes on if I would like the plant to be bigger next year or smaller next year to try and figure out when the right time to start those seeds indoors is and uh yeah I did I have a a free printable that I just added yesterday. Actually, I had sent it out to my subscribers, but I decided to make it available to everybody. So I have a free printable on starting seeds indoors and the dates that I use for starting my seeds. Those dates won't necessarily be exactly right for you, but they'll give you a place to start from. And then if you make your own notes on whether that date was perfect, or if you want them bigger or smaller for next year, then you can from there, develop your own perfect chart for starting seeds
0: indoors. Awesome. Very cool. Yeah, I'm going to have to check that out. And also, I'm excited to follow your journey of growing um, onions from seeds, because it's something I've been talking about doing, and I just haven't made the leap. So I'm sure I'll see your progress on your blog and on Instagram. So I'm looking forward to, to seeing that. So Thank you so much, Krista, for agreeing to be on the blog, and or sorry, on the podcast. And um, I'm excited for yeah, following along with your blog and and keeping up with all of the garden knowledge that you share. I know I really appreciate it, and uh, I know our listeners are going to be excited. Um, you know, to have someone like yourself to follow along with and get some real um, advice on on gardening. So, thank you so much. Um, If I guess, so I follow you on Instagram and I've I've been on your blog, but um, I just wanted to give you an opportunity uh, to share with folks what what the best way for them to get in touch or to follow along with you is.
1: Sure. Well, thank you for having me, Jenna. It is an honor to come and to share, and uh, I really hope I can inspire other gardeners. You can follow me. I am on Pinterest. I'm on Facebook. I have a page as well as a group, a Zone 3 Vegetable Gardening group. Um, You can subscribe to my blog to get newsletters and uh, find out when I do new blog posts. And Instagram is is my jam, I say. (laughs) I am primarily on Instagram. That's what I post on more often. Uh, So if you want to come find me, on Instagram zone three vegetable gardening you can find me there and follow me along for
0: tips as well awesome that's great thank you I'm really looking forward to to following along and learning lots from you in the future so thanks Krista thank you Jenna Thank you for tuning in to this week's episode of the Sustainable Stories podcast. This podcast is hosted by myself, Jenna Inglot, as well as Roxanne Wagner from Sage Sustainable Solutions Consulting. For a full list of episodes, as well as more information about Sage, check us out online at sagesustainable.com. And as always, we welcome your feedback, thoughts and suggestions. Catch you next time.